Hello and welcome to the Crack Podcast with me, Graham Hitchin. Crack, if you haven't come across us before, is the Centre for Applied Research and Innovation in the Creative Industries, hosted by Loughborough University London and supported by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. If you want to come and find us, we're at craic.lboro.ac.uk. What we're about is trying to promote discussion and debate in applied research and innovation in the creative industries. Today, I'm talking to Nicholas Searle from the Institute for Creative and Cultural Entrepreneurship at Goldsmiths, University of London. We'll be talking about her research on copyright and on business models in the creative industries. Nicola, um, you've been doing a lot of work uh, looking at, as my understanding is, business model innovation in the creative industries. And indeed, we're hopeful of publishing uh, an essay of yours alongside this podcast. Mm -hmm. So perhaps we can start just by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit partly about your background, where you've come from, because I know you haven't always been an academic or haven't always worked in an academic environment. Um, Tell us a bit about the research interests you've had, as well as the different places you've worked. Um, great. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so, I'm a an economist by training, and I'm uh, at the Institute for Cultural and Creative Entrepreneurship, where I look at the economics and management of intellectual property. So, that's kind of my core interest is the IP side of things. And um, yeah, I do have a slightly uh, varied background. So, I started off in banking, which um, I, it gave an interesting perspective on how finance works. Um, and then I also had a part-time photography business briefly, which was um, also very interesting to see how you know businesses work in, in practice. And for a brief time, I also worked in UK government policy. So kind of you know pulling all those threads together is, is led me to my interest in intellectual property and particularly the creative industries with kind of focus on copyright. Did you would you say that you well by the sound of things actually your interest would have been intellectual property and business business models first and creative industries second is that unfair? Oh, I think that that might be well. The, the creative industries got me into the copyright, so I was working on trade secrets at the time. So sorry, yes, my IP interest predates my creative industries and interest. Okay, what's well, so go on? Tell us more. So you were working on trade secrets. You don't have to reveal all the trade secrets you were working on, but you were working yeah. on trade secrets, and that was your and you got into. So, um, uh, well, if, you, if I must confess, um, I wanted to do my PhD on the economics of fashion and counterfeit goods. Um, but I was told at the time I wouldn't be taken very seriously. So instead, I went with trade secrets, um, which I still very much enjoy. And I still do work on that area. Um, but, you know, creative industries has a dynamism that you don't find in other areas of the economy. And so, you know, looking at copyright, which um, this was, you know, in the early noughties, we're starting to become much more um, contentious. I remember Napster. So I was a good college downloader of um, infringing content. And the copyright side of things sort of really started to kick off in about 2006, 2007. And so, you know, as it's warming up in the UK in 2011, had the Hargreaves review. And so by that point, I was already recognizing that my research interest on intellectual property had a 
quite interesting aspect to it that would combine my interest with you know, photography and fashion, but with an IP edge to it. So that's kind of how I, I got drawn into the uh, exciting world of the creative industries. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's p- pursue that, as it mm-hmm. were. So you, you said IP. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned business models. Um, the obvious connection, but which I'll ask you to elaborate on, is that in a sense that um, IP is how, or is through IP that, people in the creative sector make money, mm-hmm. um, but only if they've got the right sort of business model that means that they get a return uh, on the development of their content, their IP. Do you, can you just talk us through, I know it's sort of basic mm-hmm. um, mechanism by which the creative industries functions or people in the, you know, who generate content make money, but can you just talk us through that process and then with that perhaps start to um, tell us a bit about some of the research interests that you've been developing over the last few years? Great. Okay. So I think um, we can't really talk about the business models without at least thinking a bit about the value chain in the creative industries, because each part of the value chain has a different business model. So when we talk about value chains, it's, you know, across an industry, how do we start from the initial creation of a product and, you know, how is value built up through that product and eventually reaching, reaching the end consumer or audience? So the first stage is usually the artist. So I'll use music as an example. So we've got the artist and, and I, let's go with Beyonce because why not? Um, and so Beyonce, she creates her um, content and you know, she's, um, she's all singing, um, writing, etc. And then she licenses or sells, depending on her contracts, the copyrights of that. So what she has, her business model is creating her content and then licensing or selling the copyrighted content. I suspect um, uh, Beyonce may have a very bespoke um, business model at the moment, but we'll just go with the basics. So she's selling her content onto her record label. So her record label then at their business model is licensing in the content and identifying their artists. And then they spent a lot of time, of course, developing the the artists, uh, promoting them, packaging them in the right way, kind of creating who they are, so turning them into stars. And then the that I mean, I'm giving you a very simplified version. No, no, this is really helpful. Yeah, well, there's there's also the lawyers. We have there's a lot of other agents in here that. but just to give the kind of the core. So then from the record agent, the records we would normally in a pre-digital era, we would, those would those packaged goods, so you would be packaging things into an album, would go to a manufacturer and they would print the CDs, who then would go to a distributor, and then that would go to um, a high street market store. So at the moment we're still in the record player, record um, label, excuse me, and we are no longer selling to that physical chain, but we are, as the record label, as our business model is licensing in content from these artists, creating a lot of value associated with it and licensing that out. So again, it's licensing in copyright and then licensing it out. So you can see how copyright really provides the legal structure to allow that business model to function because without copyright, these goods can be um, copied easily and without being paid for. So copyright is a right to copy. So we've got Beyonce creating music, licensing out her copyright, the record label licensing and licensing out. And now these days we have the, generally we have the online retailers, which are the large platforms. So iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. And they license in content again. So they're licensing in the copyright and then they're 
licensing that out to the end consumer. So the end consumer for Spotify is paying a flat fee um, and has the right to access that content. So again, you can see the licensing in, licensing out is how the copyright flows along the value chain. But essentially every business model there is copyright's a key function um, in terms of the providing a legal protection and regulatory infrastructure for it. So that's kind of the, the interaction between copyright and business models um, and how copyright helps enable that value capturing. Okay, that's really good. That's really clear. There's a few things there if I can play them back. One is, <laughs> I mean, just some, I mean, obvious insights, but nonetheless worth capturing. I think one is your point. I mean, in, in response to my question about the, the business model for the music industry, actually, as you said, at every stage of that value chain, there is a business model. So there's a sort of meta business model, if you like, which was mm -hmm. disrupted massively with Napster and now yep. you know introduction of Spotify and so on. But actually, um, and that, that would have had an impact on every single stage of the value chain, but within each stage of the value chain. So as you said, the Beyonce or the musician or the, 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 um, the singer, whatever it might be, will have their own business model and way of operating and making money. And then, and then the record labels, you said there are some business models and there may be disruption within each of those. Oh yeah. Um, okay. That's one. Absolutely. The other thing that, that I thought was, I was really struck by, um, was, um, you use the phrase licensing in and licensing out, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, 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 that licensing is clearly, and that legal protection associated with that is such a, a critical part of the end-to-end -end process here. Um, and by definition, because copyright is such a central. Just, I mean, we're gonna, I think we're going to pick up on this a little bit later in relation to some uh, recent research you've done. But I wonder if you can just, um, I'm really, I, I suppose, in a sense, it's that, uh, just say a little bit about the why copyright is so important. You mentioned it yourself. It's the right yeah. to copy. Yeah. Can we just pick, pick out that that phrase, that right to copy point? Why is that so important? How is it important? Why is it important to protect? Again, you know, because you'd think, well, you want lots of copies of something. You know, why is it important to protect in that context? So, so a copyright is the um, the right to copy, and it protects artistic expressions. And the justification for copyright is that, you know, content protected by copyright tends to be things like books, um, you know, music, lyrics, um, sound recordings, and they're difficult to capture any value from unless there's control over who can copy them. So the problem is if I make a, you know, if I write a, um, a book and everyone can copy it freely, I don't get my money back ever. So the copyright gives me um, a certain amount of years, which is generally the, my length, my um, lifetime plus 70 years. And that gives me time to kind of recoup all the rewards of this immense amount of time I've done to create this magnum opus of my book. So copyright allows me to capture the rewards from my innovation and creativity. And without it, it's generally it's relied on physical copies, which has been much more easy to control. Without copyright, it's difficult to for me to recoup my, the investment from my efforts. And that's that's the main point across all types of intellectual property. There, I mean, there are always caveats, and copyright tends to be one that's very difficult to completely unpack. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Let's move that off in two directions. I'm going to pick up on the two directions I'd like to explore. One is technology and how the mm -hmm. technology will have and is still disrupting um, the, 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 the framework, both legal and um, 
as it were, business or operational within which uh, the, the sector operates. And then we'll pick up on separately, I think, um, that, that point about the legal, the regulatory framework and, and how important that is, which has been the subject of some of your research over the last few years. So let's talk first about technology. So you've mentioned Napster already. Uh, I mentioned Spotify. Um, we know a little bit about the impact in sectors like music and um, publishing to a certain extent. Um, so if you can reflect back on that and talk to us a little bit about how you think that might be, you know, is there going to be a new dynamic? Is that is that mm. done, as it were? Is the technology, are we in a technology era now and we just need a, a, a some copyright a copyright framework that reflects that? Or or will we, that continue, continue to be disrupted with the introduction or expansion of AI and machine learning and so on? So this is, this is um, I always, you know, any technology question, I'm always almost hesitant to answer because as soon as you answer it, you what you've said is out of date. Um, so I think, I mean, you know, if we look at where we are from Napster to now, I mean, there's been huge change. And I, I don't see that, you know, what the limitations are going to be. So music was one of the first to be impacted by technology, probably because, you know, there's smaller files and you weren't talking about graphics. So it was a fairly um, straightforward one. Um, we're in streaming wars is the current um, sort of fight, but that's not really, a, it's less of a technology issue and more of a bandwidth issue. So, you know, do we have the capacity in infrastructure and um, you know quality of graphics and you know speed? Um, it's it's less you know it's kind of less dramatic I suppose than previous technology um, leaps forward. So that's the sort of but that's the streaming war side of it is much more of a business models type of um, and you know competition argument. But there is this question you know what happens with AI etc. So I, I um, it's a so. 3D printing was going to, about 10 years ago, was going to be this huge disrupt, hugely disruptive technology. You know, all the, um, all the uh, sort of, you know, designers um, and anyone that was producing some sort of object was very worried that this was going to completely undermine the ability to, for them to protect their designs. And it's ended up not being the case. It was, um, it was a hype. Um, it's been ended, ended up being a bit of a damp squib because, you know, the market dynamics of it meant that it makes no sense for the average person to have a 3D printer in their home. So, you know, is AI the same thing? Because we also have blockchain. So blockchain is very exciting. And we've been talking about blockchain as really helping the music industry and sort of any digital media industry improve their way of like identifying their content and getting information from it and, you know, tracking licensing, et cetera, et cetera. That has also yet to materialize, um, probably for different reasons. I think it's more of a um, political will issue as opposed to market dynamics. So will AI do the same thing? And I, I have to say, when I think of AI, you know, I, the, the, um, you know clearly the, the potential of this technology is fantastic. The actual content you could produce is really compelling. Um, but then we've already got problems like deep fakes, which are quite worrying. Um, so it's hard for me to think about AI in the creative industries and not think about some of the negative things we're already seeing. And the other thing that I, I wonder about AI is, you know, what, um, I don't know if you remember Millie Vanilli from the 1990s. So Millie Vanilli were this pop duo and it turned out that they didn't sing. All they did was lip sync. And it makes me wonder if audiences, you know, this AI technology is gonna create great stuff. And there's, you know, we've already, I mean, we're seeing it. I, I probably couldn't even identify how much AI I've already, already um, consumed. 
But will audiences really want to connect with entirely AI produced content? Um, I think maybe in games, no problem. But if, you know, Beyonce is not, yeah, will we end up with Millie Vanillies or Beyonce's with uh, AI in terms of music? Okay, well, I, I was going to say, I do remember Millie Vanilli. They were sort of bizarrely a bit after my time, but um, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion, probably. Um, but the, but I'm thinking of, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about how whether I can connect AI to Millie Vanilli. But let me stick with the AI <laughs> question, and I might jump back to Millie Vanilli, which is what happens to the notion of copyright? What happens to, because mm-hmm. there's no notion of uh, notion of ownership? You know, who yeah. who owns that AI produced? Um, content, whether yeah. it might be you know em- endlessly reproduced, and of course it, it may be manipulated data or content that originated with an artist or a creator at some stage. But I mean that's just going to that 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 ability to track back to an originator will have fast disappeared. Um, and you're left with content that you're consuming. We are, as you say, we are already consuming um, for for which there isn't any sort of any kind of ownership. Yeah. So what? Uh, you know, I, I suppose I'm trying to think through. I suppose somewhere along the value chain, there will be an owner. So it may be the record label that's putting out the, the music in the way. Although in the case of Millie Vanilli, there you are. I said I'm connected back. The, <laughs> the, the record label, um, Millie Vanilli presumably was taking some sort of uh, cut yeah. from the content, even if it was not being sung or produced by them and being somehow manufactured by the record label. So I'm wondering with, with AI, uh, there would be no artist. There would be no originator in that in that value chain. So, where would the value reside? Do you think? Um, well, actually, it's interesting that there's a difference here, quite clearly, between ownership and the and the value. And um, I'm very happy to say my legal um, colleagues are all working on the um, the nuance of that. But yet, from if you're thinking about it from kind of an innovation perspective, you know, the value creation is is the programming. So it's the it's the the, that's where it starts. Um, the challenge with that is that my understanding of a lot of the AI that's being produced is that it's being fed with existing content. And then it becomes much more of a marginal co- um, contribution in terms of value, because if you're feeding, you know, you're feeding in Britney Spears music to produce something similar to Britney Spears music, you know, you're, the, the incremental innovation there is less. So you're not producing as much core value as you would have before. And that's where it's going to get really great. Um, you know, in, in the Millie Vanilli case, they were essentially just performance artists, right? They, yeah. they literally all they did was perform um, and get their hair done. They um, uh, and then you know, but that is a value, right? There is some value in doing that. There's skill in doing that. So I, it's going to become, uh, I guess, it, in some ways, it could become more fragmented. So you could end up with more specialized roles of uh, value creation, but it also as has been the tendency with most technology, it probably will end up with more power and um, value and bargaining power concentrated at the um, technology level, at the, the platform level. That's, that tends to be, so it, I suspect it's not going to be long-term a good thing for artists in terms of improving the overall, um, you know, the issues that we have in terms of labor, um, precarity and, um, you know, struggling to recoup their the um get get paid appropriately for what they're doing. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be much more fragmented. It's uh, it's re- it is difficult. It's there's no obvious answer to that one. I think. 
Yeah, it's interesting your point about uh, I, I can't remember what word you used, but you know that sort of curation. Actually, it's how you mm-hmm. curate the material becomes all the more important. And and actually, you know, many uh, you know some of the greatest artists have said, of course, that they they've stolen, they've always stolen ideas, and they've just re- recreated them and repackaged them in different ways. And I'm not suggesting, um, that, you know, it's not a direct comparison with AI, but there's something quite interesting about material being generated by machines as it were that an artist might then actually manipulate or use the ai to to create new material or to reproduce and curate material in new ways let's just um picking up on your point about the uh, the platforms and the um what napster did and what ai may well do um which is create big disruption across the value chain and let's use that as a as a as a hook to move on to your recent research, where um, we were discussing it a little before we came online, which was this um, a sort of slightly well. We, the starting point was to understand the innovation, the potential for innovation in business models that mm-hmm. are brought around in this case as a result of technology, but there may be other shifts. Um, but you've done quite a lot of research that that's tried to understand different types of business model innovation. And I think I've ended up almost, as I would put it, somewhere else. Can you just tell us <laughs> yeah. a bit about, about the work that you've done, uh, the sectors that you might have looked at, and and start to um, uh, reference some of where you've got to? Okay, great. Um, so I should probably start with a little bit of the, the background in that, you know, the disruption that happened to, that has happened to the media industries coincides with the rise of discussions about business models. So really until the digital era, we didn't talk about business models. So they, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so the work I've been doing recently, and I should um, thank my funder, which is at the George Mason University, the Center for Protection of Intellectual Property. And they gave me um, funding to do an analysis of business models and copyright. And so what I did was I looked at the UK industry. So looking at the UK industry so um, it, uh, that had been involved in copyright lobbying. So um, having you know, worked in the area for some time, I, I have some, you know, a good idea of who the players are. Um, so I you know, did my snowball sampling and I identified 300 publications that talked about business models um, from 2006 to 2018 and kind of, you know, what, what were they talking about in terms of business models? So I took these um, documents and went through and coded them for business models, um, the relationship between business models and copyright and what that was telling us, because a lot of the discussions about business models have often been by academics as opposed to the industry self-identifying um, business models. And there's often been a disconnect, um, which is you know, often the case. But I wanted to understand how industry was um, identifying its own business models. And the other thing is, is that the copyright, um, copyright scholars and copyright discussions tend to do the opposite. So they kind of just um, assume business models. So there's this kind of disconnect already that I was trying to connect the business models and the copyright, both in terms of the narrative and, and the academic research. And so my first question is, you know, how are these industries, and I was looking at, um, so it included music, film, television, um, digital uh, entertainment, um, there were some acting, there were some acting um, organizations and photography organizations, the majority of these were either collective management societies, so those are the copyright agencies or trade organizations, and there are a few unions in there too. 
And so, you know, how, how are people in these industries actually describing their own business models? And it was interesting because um, there was no copyright in pretty much any of them except for one of the less used one, which was the licensing model. Generally, they were talking about the digital model or the subscription model. It's the major points that described a business model were either the pricing mechanism or the distribution mechanism. So was it a digital? Was it, you know, over um, on demand? And you know, neither of those really have much copyright in them in terms of how you would describe a business model. So then the next step is I started thinking, well, you know, the business models that they're describing, they're, these are the same business models that occurred before the digital era. With the, I mean, the, the core value creation in these models hasn't changed. There just didn't seem to be much difference from what they were describing, except for a change in technology. And that's not to say something hadn't changed. It's just that the kind of fundamental um, emphasis on this dynamic era of business model, model innovation is, isn't there. In fact, if you look at other research, you find um, that if you go and look for innovative business models, you find them. But if you kind of do a wider capture without specifically looking at them, you often find it in the creative industry that it's fairly stable. So I kind of got, you know, copyright's not a big thing in the business in these business models. But then we have not much business model innovation, but then this all goes into this huge narrative of we have to change copyright to protect the business models. So there was this, you know, that that's and that's been the narrative of copyright. So since the Napster era, there's been about 20 years of expansion of copyright, um, increased um, penalties for infringement. And there's been a very contentious discussion about you know, what copyright should look like and how it should protect the industry. So and business models were, off, were performing part of this discussion. And so I, I, I'm trying to understand, and, and I, I think I have an answer. I don't know if it is the answer. So we've got you know, copyright not being described in the business models, not much business model innovation change, but this whole you know, chaos around it, what, what's actually happening here. So then I also looked at what the arguments were. So what, what are the positions? And the most common one was that um, copyright needed to be expanded to protect business models. And this is what the industry is saying. Or that copyright needed to, existing copyright protected um, business models, but it needed to be strengthened. So you didn't necessarily need to um, make copyright longer, but you need to make sure that you were enforcing it. On the other hand, there was this, and this is the more of a, um, a policy narrative that if you go much, much bigger is, you know, Google, for example, Google is built, was built on a lot of copyright infringement. So there was this whole idea that, yes, the media industries need all this copyright, but oh, no, you don't get innovation if you have too much copyright. So you need to copyright, does copyright enhance innovation or does it prevent innovation? So, you know, none of this was really, and, I, and I've been struggling with this, this question um, for probably a decade. Um, so essentially what I've come to the conclusion of is, is as I said, this is it's messy, right? We don't see the innovation we were expecting. Um, copyright isn't clear. And the conclusion I've come to is that actually what we talk about when we talk about the business model and business model innovation in the creative industry is actually a completely different concept of what a business model is. It, it's not about dynamic innovation and business model changes. 
It's about the fact that we're essentially talking about what I like to call a legal business model. You could also call it kind of a regulatory supported business model. And that it's copyright is sort of defining and creating this business model. So without copyright, the business model doesn't exist. But copyright may not actually exist without the business model. So when I talked earlier about the value chain, about you know, licensing and licensing out, that hasn't changed, but that is also defined by copyright. So the kind of dynamic discussions we have about technology, about business model innovation, and how copyright needs to support business models, we're not talking about the kind of business models that we think we are. We're talking about a business model defined by copyright. And your point being that that business model won't have changed dramatically, or rather, right. that that you know, that hasn't changed dramatically as a result of the technology shift. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we, you know, we, and you know, there's one question: is should it change? Is it able to change? I mean, those are other two other things. We have seen, of course, you know, there's been a lot of change at the very end of the um, value chain. So the consumer-facing end, the retail end, you know, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, etc. Clearly, a lot of change there. They, they didn't exist 20 years ago. But all the earlier parts of the value chain are doing what they did before digital in terms of business model. And, and that's why kind of we're thinking about it, it's not a, a dynamic um, business model innovation discussion. It's about a copyright-enabled business model. So, so let's just think through what are the implications of that, just in, in, intellectually, as it were. Um, as you said, a huge amount of time and energy has been put on to a discussion around business model innovation, which actually isn't about business model innovation at all. It's yeah. as you've described it. It's, it's, it's a, um, not an obsession with that legal but but a sort of um, substituting one for the other. It's a it's mm-hmm. a sort of it's a focus on the legal uh, framework and using that language, but using the language of business model innovation, which exactly. actually yeah the the business model won't have changed at all. So there's there's a sort of fuzziness and a lack of clarity there, which intellectually we ought to sort of, uh, and that means myself included, being more careful with the way in which we describe things. Mm-hmm. So that be clear that if we are talking about and if our interest is on um, copyright and changing copyright, be clear about what the implications are, why we would want to do that and and separate that out from what might be, a, as you say, a business model innovation. Or in this case, as you've said, there is no business model innovation. The, the business model hasn't changed. It stayed the same. Stop talking about business model innovation because <laughs> you're not really doing it. What you're doing is changing one small part, or not small, it's quite a significant part of the value chain yeah. as it relates to primarily the way in which the consumer consumes the content that is generated through that business model, as you said, that hasn't really changed. Um, but then the second would be a, a sort of, it begs the question for me in no particular order, is copyright important in that, you know, and so in that sense, are are these um, the unions and the trade bodies right to be concerned about copyright? Are there implications? Should we be, you know, should we be enforcing copyright um, more strongly? Uh, and it, as it were, if so, for what purpose other than to protect the artist, as it were? Um, let's do that one first, and then I'm going to okay. ask you about business model innovation and, and whether we whether we ought to think about that too. So, so I'd say, kind of see that as two questions, is, you know. Yeah. Uh, what does copyright sort of need? Is it, is it right? And then what does that mean for the artist? 
So, um, you know, copyright in any IP always has to be this balance between protecting existing innovations and allowing room for others. So, you know, we talked a little bit about AI and I made the example of you know, putting Britney Spears music into an AI machine to produce um, to produce a, you know, similar music. You know, if there is no ability to use any existing music, then, of course, it's much more difficult for AI to innovate. So there's always this balance between copyright that incentivizes and then copyright that inhibits. Um, and, you know, copyright is obviously very important for the creative industry. It is the most important intellectual property right. It provides a level of legal protection and a, you know, defines assets in a way that we really haven't come up with an alternative to do. So, I, I mean, um, I can't really think of how else we would do it. So copyright is absolutely, we should be um, taking good care of it. My hesitation is that what's happened, um, and this is kind of when I start to think a bit more about the regulatory narrative and policy, is the consumer has dropped out. So we no longer have consumers being represented in, represented in these um, narratives. At least at the UK level, it's generally been um, quite uh, calm, well, quiet on that front. So we don't have, you know, the fact that if copyright is extended by you know, 10 years, that means how much more money does that mean that the consumer is paying for their, for their um, goods? At the moment in the UK, it is illegal to make a copy of your DVD onto your computer. And that has, that's been the case. I mean, most people actually don't realize that that's illegal. Um, and so, you know, the consumer isn't represented here. Um, so that I think is an issue. And, um, and I think as a result, there's a lot of things that have happened to copyright that actually aren't necessarily uh, managing that balance between you know, the consumer and the producer and then that um, in the IP that incentivizes and IP that inhibits innovation. The artist in this discussion is another one. So you know, you've just talked about how um, you know, if you're affecting the consumer negatively, that could have, you know, have pushed back on the artists. And in some ways it's been good. So actually high levels of copyright infringement um, are often associated with people who consume a lot of unpaid content also consume a lot of paid content. And then they're also more likely to go to um, concerts. So you know, there's, that's, you might, there are some ways that you can kind of consider it as a freebie, although you, know, you can't really put that as forward as a, as a good model, it wouldn't. Um, but there's also the idea that um, a lot of these discussions talk about artists. We talk about the starving artists. We talk about the street musician. But the vast beneficiaries of all these copyright um, changes, and again, when I say changes, it's always been expansion over the last decades, has been the intermediaries. So it is not filtering down to the average artist. It will be, you know, an extra 10 years of copyright does affect a few. So the few superstars, 10 years makes a difference. For the average artist, it's making no difference. The power keeps getting concentrated, you know, between um, so that you know the intermediary intermediaries between the artist and the consumers are getting more money out of it. Um, but the art, it's not making much difference for the artist at all. And um, you know, you can see that right now. Um, the UK is looking at uh, the economics of music streaming. So of course, the amount that artists get from their songs being played on Spotify is incredibly low. So, you know, that copyright doesn't actually affect that. If we have some change to that, it's going to be in kind of the communication law. It's not going to be a copyright law. So it, that's what I, that's one of the challenges I have. You know, I'm, copyright is great and we need it for these industries and we need it for other industries too. 
intellectual property is an important policy for supporting innovation and creativity. But what we've got in the last couple of decades has been discussions where key players are being left out and artists are being presented. Strange enough, artists are being presented as the goal in these, you know, the beneficiary of these changes, but in practice it's not. Okay. So which leads us back to the need for some kind of business business model innovation or disruption. Exactly. So thinking about business model innovation, thinking about the research that you've been doing, um, if there was a big award for you to do some more work, or if you were encouraging your colleagues across um, academia, indeed in policy, what are the sort of things, what are the two or three big things that you would like to see, or you think are the implications of your work? So what are the, it'd be really useful just for you to outline perhaps what future research challenges or research questions might be that are prompted by your work, uh, as well as the, the, the policy implications, which you've just talked about a little bit in relation to copyright. So this, I still, there's still a big gap between the, uh, the scholars working on business models, on the creative industries and on copyright. There, there's not much link up. And when I when I do see that link up, it, it tends to be, um, you know, not on a level that um, I would like to see, but, you know, I'm not, I don't get to be the judge of all of it. Um, and, you know, doing interdisciplinary work is very difficult for good reason. So I'd like to see more overlap between these areas and because of the silos, because I, I think we're still developing um, very one-sided approaches where kind of things are being assumed away, but a waving of hands and it's fine when it's not. So um, I think one of the things I would like to see some more of is on the business models research side is clearly there's regulation here that hasn't really been incorporated into the business model literature. So um, in a previous types of um, approaches to kind of this management type of strategy did talk a lot more about regulation. And it's only in the last five years that we're starting to see business model literature talk about regulation. So I think copyright, I think, is a great example. There's other types of IP that we could be looking at, but also looking at the business models along the chain more. So, you know, what does an artist's business model look like? And I think, you know, I, I suspect, as with what I found so far, it won't have changed as much as it might be able to, or, it, you know, it, it's hard to know what the, the potential is there. But, um, you know, what... What is a what is a musician doing these days? And of course, COVID's this huge disruptor. So maybe there are maybe there are things that rise out of the ashes of this that provide more interesting. Um, academics love to say interesting, and doesn't necessarily mean a solution, but it's interesting nonetheless. Um, so I, I think looking. So we need you know more on the, the business models, kind of thinking a bit more about the regulation side of things, um, and then kind of in the creative industries and um, law side, kind of thinking a bit more about what the business model is as opposed to just using the word business model as a way of saying making money. Um, so I'd like to see a bit more um, you know, ma matching up of those areas. It's, it, you know, I don't, there isn't an answer and I don't know that, um, that it's, I don't think it's policies law uh, um, place to Kind of create an answer to this and, and from the business model's perspective and of course it's always you know, where does the market um, end and where does policy end um, but I think you know the kind of transparency we talk about in, um, in, in pressuring transparency across all the value chains so wanting more information 
Um, I'd like to see some more work on, sorry, that what I'm just trying, trying to say there is that a lot of pieces of the value chain, the, there's most of the information is held by um, the intermediaries and particularly platforms know their audiences better than the artists do. Um, the collecting um, societies know their audiences, know their audiences better than their artists do. And so, you know, that sharing of information and better ways of getting that data across could also help some of the note challenges I've noted noted about um, the bargaining power and how these different business models function. Um, I could go on, um, but well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a few things very quickly by reflection, and um, one is that. I mean, your starting point here was that, you know, the huge amount, as you said, 300 publications over a 10-year period or so, which were, you know, by the performing rights societies and the unions. Yeah. So in other words, lobbying, basically, people trying yeah. to influence policy. And your point was, if I were to really, really simplify it, was to, that, you know, that, that they don't know what they, you know, they don't know what they're talking about in the sense that they, they they're getting obsessed by one thing. They're, they're getting, they're mixing up business models with copyright. They don't, so actually, what we should be doing here, that's the case for more research, better research that does a number of things. And I think what you've identified in no particular order, one is actually some more interdisciplinary research so that actually get, get putting bluntly, lawyers working with creative industries, scholars, so that actually you build an understanding of the legal framework within which creative businesses work. And at the same time, you, by through that interdisciplinary work, build a better understanding on both sides of the nuances and the ways in which sets, different sectors work and the way in which different subsectors organise themselves. Uh, and, and that would include interrogating how copyright works and has worked in different sectors in different ways and so on. There's, that's that interdisciplinary piece. But then I think at the same time, as you've said, which you made really uh, clear right at the beginning, is in, in that notion of business model, it's slightly... Um, it's oversimplistic to think of a single business model across the sector. Absolutely. There are multiple business models, a different, or rather each stage of the value chain can have a different business model. And what we need to do is to, having done, as it, as it were, I've described an interdisciplinary piece, a sort of horizontal, if you like, we need more deep dives within those different elements of the value chain to understand uh, what is actually happening, how those different aspects actually work. And as you've said, Ultimately, that will be about working, or that will include, in particular, working with the intermediaries where a lot of that data and knowledge is. Yeah. And that's that's deep, that's deep academic yeah. work with those people to try and understand that and, and pull out that data and information. So that's yeah. that's good. Okay, well, that should keep a, a number of people um, in, we hope, uh, in research for some time to come. Oh, yeah, well, there's not going to be a quick resolution. Good. Okay, listen, let's leave it there. You've been listening to me, Graham Hitchin, talking to Nicholas Searle from the Institute for Creative and Cultural Entrepreneurship at Goldsmiths, University of London.